0: Hello, I'm Bianca I'm Paloma And I'm Tom And you are listening to The Climate Press podcast where we aim to bring together climate science with public understanding and action.
1: Today on the show, we're joined by Dr. Kat Scott, the University Academic Fellow in Biosphere-Climate Interactions with the Institute for Climate and Atmospheric Science at the University of Leeds. She is also director of the Leeds Ecosystem Atmospheric and Forest Centre. Her research is currently looking at how trees and forests affect the climate and air quality. Welcome to the show, Kat. Hello. (laughs) Great to be here.
0: On previous episodes, we've been talking about sustainability, climate change and adaptation. And today we'd like to talk to you, Kat, about the most obvious and natural solution to
2: climate change, trees. So what's the role of trees on climate? How do they work? See, the reason that we think trees... Well, the the reason that they do play an important role in the climate system is that as trees are growing, and in fact, any plants with leaves, they're taking carbon dioxide. In during the process of photosynthesis and they they're sort of doing that constantly um, for trees that, that lose their leaves in the winter they'll be doing it in the summer when they've got their leaves uh, and it means that they're, they're constantly taking this carbon dioxide um, into their into their leaves and the reason it's important is that they then turn it into uh, a more longer-lived form of carbon and then they use it to basically help themselves to grow so mm-hmm. they actually use it to build their trunks and their branches so when you see a tree, you sort of you plant it, and then over time, it'll grow larger and larger and larger. And so we can actually see that process of the carbon basically accumulating on the tree.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: when we think about um, an old, mature tree with a really wide trunk, it is storing hundreds of kilograms possibly tons of of carbon in its in its trunk and in its branches and in its roots as well that's something that we we don't always think about because we can't see the roots of trees but they are storing quite a lot of carbon below the ground as well Hmm. so the reason that we think that they um they can help us with climate change is that they are the forests still at the moment cover about a third of the earth's land surface so even though we think of forests as being under threat, and, and they are in lots of parts of the world, we still have huge areas of the planet that are covered by forests, and it's really important that we that we maintain those, because they are, they're storing large quantities of carbon, but they're also helping to, to remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere all the time. So one of the things that we think has contributed to climate change is the fact that we've lost forests around the world. So uh-huh. during the process of deforestation, mm-hmm. trees might be cut down, and that, that does two things. So once they get cut down, it prevents them from continuing to grow and from removing more carbon yeah. during their lifetime. But also, they're often cut down and then burned, and that means that that carbon gets released back into the atmosphere. So it's kind of undoing all of the hard work that the trees have done during their lifetime. Yeah. So we know that the, the trees are doing this, this, this job of removing the carbon from, from the air, but trees in different... Um, places around the world will have a slightly different impact on the climate. So it, it really depends on how a couple of different effects that they have add together. So one thing that we know is that um, trees that are in countries at really high northern latitudes, so um, the north of Russia, Canada, Scandinavia, um, they they tend to be um, dark, very dark coloured, the, the leaves, or the needles that tends to be on those trees. And they also are in a part of the world that will be covered by snow for for several months of the year. Mm -hmm. And that really stark contrast in the colour actually has an important effect on the climate because if the trees weren't there and the land was covered in snow, um, that snow would be really bright and reflective. So as the the sun's energy uh, falls on that land, um, it would be reflected away. And that has a cooling effect. So if those trees are there, And they have a dark colour they're actually absorbing more of the sun's energy and and preventing that reflection of radiation Mm -hmm. so when we're trying to work out the impact of uh, say a a forest in a particular location it's a case of working out how much of um, some of these other effects the forests are having uh, and how all the different things compare to one another so we think actually that for trees at very high northern latitudes this effect on the the reflectivity of the land is actually uh, big enough to dominate over the, the amount of carbon that the trees are storing. And so they are having a, an overall warming effect on the climate.
0: Mm. And what about trees, for example, in the Amazon, where they have a def- um, an additional effect on... as a, They play a key role as a source of moisture and they control the yeah.
2: weather well, system.
0: Yeah. So what's the effect of defore- um, deforestation in the Amazon yeah, in that, terms of local climate?
2: or? That's right. Yeah. So trees in the Amazon um, and, and other tropical parts of the world um, have a kind of different balance of impacts so okay. they will generally they they are storing more carbon than the, the trees in the high northern latitudes mm. but they also as you Why say they like just the kind of species they, okay. they tend to be larger okay. um, the species that are there accumulate more carbon they uh, they're more dense basically mm-hmm. in carbon um, and so they don't quite have the same effect on the surface on the reflectivity of the surface as you get at high latitudes because of the the lack of snow, but also because they are slightly lighter uh, in colour in general. Um, But as you mentioned, they have this important impact on the amount of moisture that's in the atmosphere. So some colleagues of ours from from the School of Earth and Environment did look at that a few years ago and and looked at how much rain fell in different parts of the Amazon. Mm -hmm. And they worked out that actually um, the amount of rain that you saw depended on how much forest uh, a particular parcel of air had had kind of gone over before the the rainfall occurred so um, The more forest the the air passed over the more moisture it, it accumulated And then the more rain it was able to deliver to another part of the forest. So we think that um, this this um, Impact on the on the moisture cycle is is really important. Mm-hmm. But it's also important from a from a, a kind of climate and energy perspective because this um, the transfer of water from from the surface into the air mm. is a strong cooling mechanism locally. So that means that the, um, the forests there are, are, are cooling down the local climate. Cool. I love that answer. Same.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. And also how you're touching on like different species having different effects in different places. Like, not all trees are mm. doing the same thing. bit about trees and their relationship to the climate I'm wondering if we could talk about specifically trees and air quality and how this kind of relationship works Um, again with the uptake of carbon emissions a lot of times in city planning trees are discussed as one solution so can you tell us a bit maybe about your project of living labs for air quality in Leeds so we, um, we recently, in the last couple of years, we actually had two different
2: living lab projects. So okay. one of them was looking at all of the trees on the university campus. Okay. Um, and another one was looking at the air quality. And so I'll come back to the details of those, but at the moment we're mm-hmm. sort of thinking about how we can try and link the two, okay. the two projects together. So what we did with the, um, the tree project was to look at all of the trees that we've got on the university campus. Um, to count them, to work out where they are to identify which species they are. And then with a team of very enthusiastic volunteers, uh, we set (laughs) about measuring all of the trees, um, taking their, basically the most important measurements are things like how wide the trunk is, um, how tall the tree is, but also how big the kind of canopy Mm. of the tree and its leaves are. So we would measure how wide the crown of the tree was.
1: how because that's really that? important. How do you measure that? So
2: <laughs> it's <laughs> it's not very high tech, it involves standing under the tree with a tape measure and two people. Yeah. Um, one standing on each side of the of the, the canopy of the tree. True. Um, and just measuring literally how wide okay. how wide it is. Okay, cool. So during that project we discovered that there were over one thousand four hundred trees on the university. Campus, really, um, and there were more than a hundred different species, which was really surprising because yeah. if you walk around, um, you don't necessarily. I think everyone would say we've got a nice, um, a Green. nice leafy campus, yeah. but it's not. Uh, you wouldn't think that there were more than a hundred different different kinds of tree species. So, um, so that was that was really interesting to find out, um, and a lot of that is down to the fact that people would bring um, interesting trees onto the campus and plant them mm-hmm. when they'd been to visit another part of the world mm-hmm. so we've probably got a more diverse set of trees here than you would expect to find in other other parts of the city is there a benefit to diversity well that's a that's a great question because we think that what we in terms of trees that are best for the local wildlife we think that having the native tree mm-hmm. species um is, is is kind of best for the the, the wildlife that would, we would expect to find here. One thing that's good about having more diversity in tree species is that it can make your, your trees as a whole uh, more resilient because if one Great. particular species um, is vulnerable to a disease or a particular pest, Great. then um, it's, less of a, it's less of a problem for the, the tree canopy as a whole. Mm-hmm. So that's one reason why having a bit more diversity can be, can, can be a good thing. So we um, we measured all of the trees and then we used some software called iTree that helps us to work out for any given tree how, um, how much carbon does it store, how much air pollution would we expect it to be removing from the atmosphere. Yeah. So that's something that we think... Um, so we still don't completely understand exactly how trees influence air quality in urban areas. It's really complicated. Okay. Um, but we do think that... the the leaves of trees basically act as little surfaces for pollutants to deposit on. And um, so we think that trees with kind of big flat leaves will um, actually take in gases through the same holes that they have on their surface Mm -hmm. as they they would take in carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. Um, And then trees that have, so trees like conifers, um, that have more needle-shaped leaves, um, they tend to have a kind of waxy coating on that we think um, Mm -hmm enables particles that are in the air to to stick to mm-hmm. the needles and so that can end up being um if if the the pollution sticks to the leaves and then it gets washed off mm-hmm. that can end up be, being a way that the pollution gets actually removed from the air okay. it's ending up in the water instead yeah. so that's not necessarily <laughs> a good thing but um the what we found is that actually the the bigger your tree essentially the more leaves it's got the more kind of volume your tree occupies, the more pollution it's going to be potentially um, taking up. Mm. So that was our project um, to look at the trees specifically, Mm -hmm. Uh, but at the same time we did another project um, to look at the air quality on the university campus because we we realised that actually although there's kind of increasing attention being paid to what the air quality is like in our cities we actually don't really know that much about it because there are a couple of measurement stations that feed their data directly into the the government-run network Mm -hmm. of air quality sensors. And then the council has a few of its own measurement stations too, but in terms of the air quality on the university campus and how it actually changes depending on where you are, Mm -hmm. we didn't really have any data about that at all. So um, again with a team of enthusiastic volunteers (laughs) we set about uh, walking around the campus Um, with portable air quality monitors so that we could start to build up maps of how the air quality changed. And what we could see from that was a really strong um, difference in the the level of pollution that people would be exposed to if they were walking down the main road outside the university versus if they were even just slightly further away from the main road, um, mm-hmm. walking behind some of the buildings, mm. the air quality there was a lot better.
1: And is this like a visual map you literally had? Yes, layers. yes. And so we've got these data. maps
2: now. So if people are interested, um, oh. you can look for um, Living Lab for Air Quality. If you just search for that on the internet, you should be able to find those okay. Those maps.
1: We'll definitely put them on the website, mm. yeah.
0: So you think that trees improve air quality in our cities and? How easy it is to communicate this to policymakers and make them act according to this great solution and cheap solution? Or how cheap it is because maybe mm. we think it's easy but it's not that easy.
2: I think policymakers have a really difficult job because they're trying to. So I suppose there's, there's the people making the policies and then there are people working in, in local authorities that are having to. Uh, basically facilitate the development of their city in line with the policies that have been made so i think that's where things become a bit difficult because it's very difficult for them to justify doing something that doesn't um generate economic revenue Mm -hmm. when the policies that are in place tend to prefer that kind of development so um it's a really it's a tricky area and there's a lot of research going on now to try and look at could we value development in a in a different way. So rather than just saying, "Is this is this thing going to bring us more revenue into the city?" To think, actually, well, yeah. it may not directly, but it may have a positive benefit on people's well-being. Yeah. But at the moment, those yeah. things, there's not really an official way to kind of take that into an account into account. So it's sort of left to people's judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with trees, they fall into that category really that mm-hmm. a lot of people like them um, and would prefer to have more trees. But until there are policies in place that actively prioritise tree planting, mm-hmm. that becomes difficult. So Leeds City Council have actually just recently in the last week um, supported uh, a, a, a policy basically to try to double the the tree cover across the city um, in the next couple of decades. Mm-hmm. And so they're starting with the the land that they basically manage, so all of the parks and the the green spaces that they manage, but the ambition is to try and um, increase our canopy cover across the city so that it's double what it is now, which is it's a really ambitious target. Okay.
0: And do you think policymakers in terms of Leeds or the UK are making the same effort to conserve or preserve the trees that we already have than planting new trees?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think there's a, there is a, a tension there because... Mm-hmm. Sometimes if a tree is removed, um, there have been policies in place to say that it should then be replaced with three um, newly planted trees. Mm-hmm. And that's that's good, but it does give the impression that a mature tree can be replaced by three um, new saplings, which isn't necessarily the case in terms of the, the kind of benefits we've been talking about mm-hmm. for carbon intake uh, and also air quality. A big, large stature tree is doing many times more the, the 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 work of three newly planted trees mm-hmm. so i think uh, we do need to be a bit careful that we're not considering um, those two things to be equivalent i think now over the next couple of years it's going to be interesting actually to see what happens because there is a lot of attention now on planting new trees and we do need to make sure that we don't forget about the trees that we've got
1: mm-hmm. um, and make sure yeah. that we look after them yeah. yeah because i think a lot of it comes down to what those like existing trees and forests um and woodlands like where they are as well and like this kind of claim to land that's also coming in as a factor so the other day i heard about they're planning to build a sustainable infrastructure but right through the middle of old woodlands so Mm -hmm. it's it's like constantly going to be this battle at odds and again hearing the fact that okay we can't just cut trees down and then replant new ones like it's not the same thing, like so. I think that is interesting you bring that up because it is about ba- It's going to be a balance, like it is, and some of those older woodlands um, are
2: they're basically irreplaceable because they have been there for such a long time that the the kind of biodiversity, the ecosystem that's developed there, is not something you can just recreate mm-hmm. by planting some new trees somewhere else. Exactly. It's just not going to happen. So, and again, how we weigh up those two things
1: mm-hmm. when
2: someone can demonstrate. I'm going to build this infrastructure and it's going to achieve X, Y, and Z. Yeah. It's difficult for um, the woodland to, to kind of stand up to that kind of pressure. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: It's a tough balance, for sure.
0: I wanted to ask you about um, which are the countries that are planting trees that grow relatively fast and they burn it quickly to produce paper. And do you think those countries are reducing those practices, or is it becoming a more common technique? Because, well, I don't know if in Australia mm. they have eucalyptus or stuff like yeah. that, but Spain is full of that and they burn everything.
2: Mm. So, yeah, it comes back to the fact that not all trees are doing the same thing but also not all trees should be in all parts of the planet Mm -hmm. and i think the problem arises when we try and grow uh, these monocultures of non-native species simply to provide either the timber or paper Mm -hmm. products Mm -hmm. and they are not naturally found in that part of the world it doesn't have a good impact on the the biodiversity because they can be considered as a an invasive species and they are not necessarily providing the same benefits, basically, as they would if they were they were native to the area. One issue we're gonna face in the future, though, is that as the climate changes, trees or species of tree that might have been able to live in certain parts of the world may, not, may no longer be able to. And we'll start to see that, right. um, yeah, trees that would tend to live in a particular temperature band yeah. might end up kind of shifting a bit because it's now too hot
1: for them to live where they lived before. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's interesting to think about, because they can't move obviously as easily as yeah. other species can. Yeah, so
2: a forest can, can gradually, you can imagine a forest yeah, picking up its roots yeah. and just hopping over the border <laughs> to a slightly cooler climate. But the the way that it would happen would be that they'll kind of shift gradually over time, like the, the lower edge of a forest won't be able to be there anymore and they'll, they'll, they'll shift. But it does mean that we could see parts of the planet that We, in our lifetimes, are used to having a particular kind of forest that just not not able to live there anymore. And then you have to think about all of the other species that are relying on those areas of forest to live. There's just a kind of cascade of effects Mm -hmm. that can result from that.
1: Wow. That kind of leads into this question, what we're talking about then, or what are some of the effects that we can expect to see um, as we lose our trees and we continue to lose them through either the forest fires that are happening across australia and the west coast of the united states north america deforestation also you mentioned invasive like species and pests and invasive species that are um attacking trees and and just general extinction of them like what what are some of the effects that we can expect to see i think one thing that
2: it's important to think about is that we don't we don't fully know exactly what will happen. If we, if we lost a particular species of tree or if we lost trees at a large scale in a particular area, we don't, so we can run um, climate models to simulate what will happen.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But we've never had, we kind of haven't done these experiments for real, for, for good reason. Yeah. And so I think as, com- as, as much as we can, we can look into it with, with models, we have to bear in mind that there are kind of interconnections between things that we probably haven't yet discovered.
0: Right.
2: So I think one of the, um, the one of the issues I mentioned earlier with the uh, Amazon rainforest putting so much moisture into the air, we think that there's probably a point at which the the kind of detrimental impacts of rising temperatures um, and changes to rainfall patterns in combination with land use change would start to mean that the the forest could k- kind of die back because mm-hmm. it's being, um, it's kind of suffering as a result of climate change. And we really don't have a good idea of exactly at what point those kinds of, uh, people call them tipping points when yeah. something kind of dramatic could happen to a particular system.
1: Mm, I just got goosebumps. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and it's, I think that's terrifying really, that we we don't understand it well enough to be messing around with it so much, Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean you could argue so we we shouldn't rely on planting trees to kind of get us out of the problem because we don't understand exactly uh, what the impacts would be in every location, but I think we can be confident that putting the trees back where they were
1: originally is probably not going to be a bad thing to do. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that kind of brings us onto an important point. The Committee on Climate Change in the UK said that we need to be planting around three billion trees to combat the effects of climate change and other I've seen other numbers and figures and depends I guess on what scale Mm. you're looking at. So can you talk a bit about that? Like where does this number come from and and what does that really mean?
2: Yeah, so the this was from a report that the Committee on Climate Change looked at how the UK could possibly get to net zero greenhouse gas emissions by the middle of the century, mm-hmm. um, and so they looked at lots of different options in terms of reducing emissions from energy, different ways we would do transport, and they came up with some scenarios that could help us get as close as possible to to having net zero emissions mm-hmm. by by 2050 from from all of our actual kind of greenhouse gas emission um, sources, but they couldn't quite get. zero and so what they said was that if we were to drastically increase the the tree cover in the UK then those trees could be accumulating enough carbon that they could help us to kind of close that balance between the reduction in our emissions Mm -hmm. and the amount of carbon that the the trees are taking up instead. Mm -hmm. So so in that way not quite getting to zero but introducing what we would call negative emissions. when people talk about planting trees to to mitigate climate change it's essential that it happens alongside drastically reducing our greenhouse gas emissions because mm-hmm. we we simply cannot take up uh, enough carbon right. through through planting trees and it's it's more that we're talking about it as something to help us get to a point where we're we're not having a a, a net positive contribution mm-hmm. of greenhouse gases to the atmosphere but it definitely can't solve the whole problem. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And I think planting trees gets attention because it's a way of removing carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, but it's also got a lot of the other benefits that we've spoken about. And so it's something positive that we can do Mm -hmm. that in 30 years time, Mm -hmm. we can feel confident that we we would be living in a country that has got more woodland Mm -hmm. and hopefully, it's done in a way that the natural wildlife that we have here and also the people living here, it's it's done in a way that actually enhances people's well-being, yes. um, provides opportunities for people to spend time there, but it's also good for biodiversity.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think most of the other ways that we can think of uh, artificially removing carbon dioxide from the atmosphere don't really have those benefits, right. so I think that's kind of why it's seen as the as probably the number one option for for doing that.
1: I think there's also something about getting people to physically do something too. That's mm. really calming and assuring that someone. Ah, great, I'm going to go out and actually do this, and like I'm having an impact. That's like associated yeah. with it as well. So
2: yeah, because you feel like you're actually making a positive contribution. Because most of the things that we do, mm-hmm. we are contributing to. The emission of greenhouse gases it's very difficult to live your life in a way that doesn't mm-hmm. and so whilst we can do everything that we can to try and minimize our carbon footprints ultimately there's not much we can do to to claw those emissions back once they've gone mm-hmm. into the atmosphere so i think yeah you're exactly right there's a sense that by planting a tree you're doing something practical which is good it's good anyway getting people outside mm-hmm. into these environments where they can do that mm-hmm but I think feeling like you've made a contribution to something that's gonna be there for years, decades to come, hopefully. <laughs> and I think as well that people, if, if we want to be planting lots of trees, particularly in cities, involving the, the local communities is a great way to do it because then they really have a sense of ownership over their new woodland and it's, mm-hmm. it's something that they will, will want to look after.
0: Mm-hmm. Thanks a lot for coming, Kat. It was great
2: to have you on the show today.
0: Thanks very much for inviting me. Yeah, thanks so much. <laughs> Stay tuned for upcoming episodes and visit our website, theclimatepress.com. This podcast is available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, SoundCloud, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. Thank you to all the artists who contributed music to this episode. For more information, please see the website. See you soon. And remember, make love, not CO2.